Hi, everyone. This is Michelle Gale, your host of the podcast, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I wanted to let everyone know that I'll be winding down recording any new podcasts for the foreseeable future. I've taken a full-time position as a chief of staff at a company called Autodesk and have decided to clear away some space to leave enough time for family, friends, and self-care. This was a hard decision because so much of my heart has gone into producing this podcast, but I'm sure it's the right decision for now. So thank you for sharing your time with me over the past couple of years. I'm wishing you continued blessings on your path of mindful parenting. Your practice and awakening is the greatest gift you will ever give to your children. So here's to waking up one messy moment at a time. Enjoy the last few podcasts. Welcome to the podcast, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I'm your host, Michelle Gale, and I am here today with Rini Jane. She is the founder and chief storyteller at GoZen. Rini is recognized as a pioneer in marrying technology and child psychology in a unique approach that nurtures the heart and minds of kids. Through her writing, product invention and development, Masterclass for Parents, and Children's Advocacy. She works to build the emotional intelligence of kids, including resilience, empathy, kindness, and critical thinking. Tens of thousands of families and professionals testify to the unparalleled success of Gozen's programs. Originally a tech entrepreneur who suffered with her own anxiety, Rini founded Gozen to help a new generation of kids, parents, and therapists. Welcome, Rini. Thank you, Michelle. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's so great to have you. And this is such an important and big conversation because anxiety is so prevalent in our culture. And, and, and often people, we just don't know what to do with it and how to work with it. So this is just such a blessing, the work that you do. Thank you. Yeah, it is prevalent to say the least, right? It's on everyone's mind. Um, I see headlines constantly. And I think when I'm meeting people and tell them the work that I'm doing, tell them about the work I'm doing, I have yet to meet someone who doesn't say, I have anxiety myself. I have a child that's experiencing it, or I know someone who's going through it. So, yeah. 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 And so how did you tell us a little bit about your journey to, to go Zen? So you, it sounds like you were a, a tech entrepreneur, originally and had some anxiety. What's, what's the story behind this? Yeah, you know, so I come from Indian immigrant parents. And so I had a pretty clear roadmap that was set out for me. It was like, go to school, get a job, get married and have 2.2 kids, and mm -hmm. then you will be happy and successful. Um, but I was a very anxious child. So kind of following that pathway was really difficult for me. And my parents, you know, although I'm kind of, um, I'm poking fun at them, they're loving and compassionate and amazing and supportive, but they didn't know what to do with my huge, big feelings that were happening all the time. I was chronically worried about grades, about friends, about things I couldn't put my finger on. And so, um, you know, after sort of years of going through this in my childhood, I realized that it was really affecting my whole family, my mom, my dad, my brother, because frankly, they felt helpless. They just didn't know what to do or say anymore. And so I decided to pretend like everything was okay. And that was probably 
one of the worst things I could have done because I shoved my pain deep, deep inside of me. It really stockpiled it for years. And um, I was highly functioning on the outside. So I did well in school and I did was kind of following that roadmap. And in my 20s, had my own business. It was in the tech field. And uh, I kind of had all of that anxiety crumpled up inside of me. So I was going through a bad relationship and I went through a terrible breakup and it just hit me like a pile of bricks. I walked into my office one day and I literally had the worst panic attack of my life. Mm -hmm. The kind where you clutch your chest and you feel like you're dying. You literally think you're having a heart attack. So I rushed myself to the hospital and you know, I had been there before and I'd seen this doctor in the ER before and he was like, you're back. And I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm having a heart attack this time. You know, it seemed like a scene from, from a TV show. Mm. Like, you're not having a heart attack. You're 24 or whatever age I was. It was pretty young. And I'm like, can you just run the test? Because I think I'm having a heart attack. So he ran them and he said, listen, you are having massive, overwhelming panic attacks and you need to change your life. So um, I think it was the first time in my whole life where I thought about going to therapy. Certainly when I was younger, I probably had thought about it, but I don't think it was on my parents' radar, nor could we afford it. Yeah. So I, I finally ended up in this wonderful man's office who was doing you know, traditional talk therapy, so cognitive behavioral therapy with me. Mm. And I just realized as he's talking to me one day, like, wait a second, everything that you're teaching me about my thoughts having power, about the ability to choose what I want to think about, to reframe, to restructure, all of these things that they do in talk therapy, I could have done as a kid. Mm hello, do you have a time machine? Because I need to go back in time and help the eight-year-old version of myself. And of course, you know, I can't do that. So I decided at that time I was going to change careers. I was in business with my brother. And so I told him, I said, listen, we need to sell this business because I have found my path. So it took me a good decade to, <laughs> to exit from that, to get a certification in life coaching, to go back and get a master's in psychology, um, and to really kind of birth this idea that we can teach kids life skills and we can do it directly because they're incredibly sophisticated, you know? So I founded GoZen to teach kids skills I wish I had when I was a kid. Wow. And what what will folks find when they go to go, go Zen? What Can you describe it for us a little bit? Yeah, they will find funny um, entertainment, entertaining cartoons basically that normalize what we're going through when we're anxious and that the same time will give you research-based skills. So you find about 300 video shorts that talk to kids about the brain and have characters and use story to communicate the life skills. And so that is like the, really the crux of what we do. Wow. And is it like a membership site where you join and you can access everything or do people come and, um, and, and 
buy one or how does it work? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, when I was growing up, like I kind of mentioned, we didn't have access to a lot of tools. I remember my parents reading a lot of books, but we, you know, if we wanted any kind of therapy, we would have never been able to afford it. So it was really important to me to be able to create a lot of good, valuable material that you can read or you can watch, even if you don't, if you can't pay for anything. And then we do have a lot of premium content because the other thing that's important to me is to really get this into as many schools and therapist office as possible and in the hands of parents. So you can buy programming, um, you know, that goes from start to finish teaching you about how to manage your stress and really live a good life. Mm-hmm. You can buy those programs online from us, or you can use a lot of the free material that we have to do the same, frankly. Oh, great. And um, what age group is it for? <laughs> Such a good question. Um, I don't want to say I don't know because it sounds so ridiculous, right? <laughs> I will tell you that the intention was to make it for late elementary to middle school. And that's probably our primary group. However, we have four-year-olds using it. We have college students using it. So we have a couple of different age tracks, but most of the material is common. And as Michelle, you probably know, these skills are all the same, right? It's just a matter of language and accessibility. And so, you know, our our primary group of people that come and use the content would be K through eight. Um, and then mostly really skewing a little bit, you know, on the higher end of that. So third grade to eighth grade, but yeah, we have a variety of ages using the content. Okay. I need to get my, my youngest and my youngest and my oldest is in high school, but um, I've got to get, get my youngest on this. Yeah, you know, and we have parents coming to us saying, well, how do I engage my kids in this? And I say, just push play. Yeah, push play and watch it together. Hopefully we've done our job to engage them, you know? Yeah, very cool. Very cool. What are some of the, um, you know, the stories that you've heard of how you've impacted people that just, you know, those stories that stay with you? Like, oh, this is why I do the work that I do. Oh my goodness. I'm getting, I get goosebumps just thinking about people writing in and their ability to share with such candor, especially since a lot of the work we do is virtual and I haven't met so many of these people. But we get a lot of stories like, I've tried everything, you know, we get, so we get that thing where it's like, we've gone to talk therapy, we've been on medication, we've tried a school counselor, we tried reading books, you know, um, we've tried reassurance, we've tried just like basic parenting things, we've tried consequences, (laughs) they've tried a lot. And we tried this and for some reason it was different. For some reason it resonated in a different way with our kids or with our child. And this is the thing that made the change. And I mean, I can't help but be brought to tears when I hear something like that, right? Because it doesn't work for everyone. It doesn't speak to everyone, but it does speak to a lot of kids. And so um, so we get that kind of message from parents and from teachers. And then we get other messages from therapists that say, this changed my practice because what I've been doing in session, explaining over a 30-minute or a one-hour period of time you're able to really crystallize for the kids in an animation. So it supports the work that we're doing and that can be transformational for them. Um, And then the one that really, I think just hits me and like just speaks to my soul is I 
I feel normal. <laughs> you know, I, mm. this is the first time I feel like something's not wrong with me because I realize that what you're talking about is part of being human. You know, it's just, it's part of who we are. And that's the message that I want kids to get, that this is part of our humanity. Anxiety is and stresses, and it's not all bad, right? And there are ways to transform it. So it's not about getting rid of our feelings. It's really about transforming those emotions and those kind of messages just really, it's amazing. The kids are amazing, you know? Amazing. And then the other, I'm sorry, like to be long-winded about the question that no, you asked keep me. keep going. I love it. It's like amazing is when a child will say, well, why don't you try this? They are incredible teachers. They take the material, it goes through their system and they come back with something better. So we've improved our program so many times based on the advice of a child. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I love what you said about normalizing, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we normalize and realize we're not the only ones and, you know, this is a common, the common humanity goes through this, Mm -hmm. um, it really helps to lower our stress level, you know, about our stress. And, and then also, um, that, that in our emotions, there's this information, right? That there's information to tell us who we are and what we're experiencing. And, you know, when we get curious and kind of uncover it, it becomes just a source of information instead of all of this misery. And I'm I'm just hearing that in, in what you're sharing. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a huge overlap with being mindful and mindfulness, right? In the work that we do. Um, I think that that is a very big component because we've become so disconnected from our bodies, right? And we live mostly in our minds and most of the time we attack the problem with our head. But curiosity is a very big component of the work that we do and curiosity in where you're feeling what you're feeling, right? And the ability to tolerate that what we have now thought of as distress, where it could just be a signal, as you said, communication, a data point. It looks like when you get angry, when you get anxious, when you feel sad, these all, when you feel guilty, these all have a purpose, right? They have an evolutionary purpose. They have, there is a reason that we have that information coming through our system. Um, sometimes it's just to feel it and then to let it go. But oftentimes it's to feel it, to listen to the message that it's sending and then to let it go and process it. Right. So that's a lot of the work that we're doing with kids. Mm, Gosh, so good. And what, um, what are some of the bigger themes? I know we kind of, I named some of them in your bio when we were first, um, when I was first introducing you, but what are the themes that you find, um, children, parents, where are people drawn the most? They are um, fascinated, one, by what we've said, right, that of, of normalizing uh, stress and that the fact that stress and anxiety, and I'm using them interchangeably, you know, there's obviously nuance, but yeah. that the way that we've been approaching it from, 
you know, from a greater societal level is very black and white, right? The black and white message has been that stress kills, that anxiety is bad for you, mm. and that this is the way that it functions. But there's incredible nuance in stress, right? So what we know is there's different kinds of stress. So there's the fight, flight, or fright fight response that everybody, the fight, flight, or freeze response rather, that you know people are very familiar with. If you read any article about anxiety or if you pick up any book, that's what they're going to talk about. But there's also the tend and befriend response, right? Where you reach out to a friend, so you're actually making social connections when you feel stress. And there is a uh, a type of response, the challenge response that can help you in situations where you have to perform. So if you have test anxiety or you have any kind of performance anxiety where you have to give a speech, then this kind of stress in your body can be helpful to you. So if you recognize it as that, then you can say words to yourself like, I'm excited about the speech I have to give that can help you transform the stress into excitement because they're very similar physiological responses. Mm -hmm. So I think parents and kids are fascinated by more information, frankly, in education. They're, it's eye-opening to them. Whoa, I just thought that I was an anxious kid and then that was bad and that I was a bad kid because I wasn't able to fix it, right? This is, these are the lines, the narrative that's going on in a child's head. So once they realize that no, there's more depth to it than that, right? It's not just that. Where are you experiencing it? When are you experiencing it? And then some of it can be used to your advantage. Some of it's not adaptive and not good for you and let's manage that part of it. But there's other things that actually can be used to your advantage. And that's just shocking, shocking information to most people. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's such a reframe, right? That, that your anxiety could be, you know, excitement and that that there's nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> no, we think something's wrong with it because we have been taught that when we feel this spectrum of emotions that that's bad and it needs to go away, right? And from everything from timing our kids out to even doing time-ins, right? Sends, and, and I'm not saying, I mean, we have a calm down corner in our house, right? But, and we use it very mindfully. And so I'm not saying that all of these practices are quote unquote wrong, yeah. but the message, the bigger message that gets sent to our kids is don't feel your feelings because most of them are messed up. And the feeling that you want to go for is happiness, Right. And so um, when we're feeling these other things, we think it's bad and we're labeling it as negative and bad and things that we shouldn't show, we shouldn't feel, we should hide. And yeah. so this is really an acceptance of who we are as people. Yeah. And so much about um, you're making me think of, you know, as I do executive coaching as well as work with parents and um, a theme you know, in any kind of leadership, whether that be leading an organization or team or leading a family or being a parent, you know, as leader um, is, is tolerating discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. This ability to tolerate and hold discomfort without being swept away by it and without, um, without it affecting us in a negative way. And that, you know, life is uncomfortable sometimes, and, yes. Right? Yes. yes. And I think the interesting thing is, is that once you start doing that work on yourself and in, in, within yourself, right, in your mind, in your body, it almost transforms the discomfort. So for example, sometimes I do something with my four or five-year-old, 
And of course, I'm like, oh, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that was not a good move or I have made a mistake and I feel guilt. Now, because I've been doing this work on myself for so long, I know the place in my body where guilt is stored. It's usually in my chest. It's a tightness in my chest and I usually feel a little bit of a burning in my throat. I know that sounds funny, but the kids that do work with us, they get to know like where where they have their feelings, right? Where they lie. And now it's not uncomfortable to me. So no longer is it discomfort, right? Now it's a feeling that I'm recognizing because I've worked with my feelings and my body so much, I don't think of it as discomfort. Like that is the message that guilt is sending me and that's where it sends it in my body. So it doesn't physically feel painful necessarily, right? I think that we have also framed this as discomfort where the emotions are coming into the body because for so long we didn't want to feel them. And so, and they remained inside of us and they became mucky and yucky. But if you allow the feelings to pass through you, it actually doesn't even have to be uncomfortable. Right. right? It can just be messaging like, oh yeah, there's guilt. That's mm-hmm. not good. Like, I've, you know, I should listen to it. Yeah. And it's, you know, um, it's kind of moving it from this existential, you know, I'm angry to more of an experiential, like I'm experiencing anger in my body, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not personal to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It becomes mm-hmm. less personal. It becomes less personal. It takes a lot of work for yeah. sure. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, yes. It but does. kids are better at it than we are because they're much closer to, to being that way. You know, they come into the world that way. They're able to move through their emotions very quickly. If you've ever seen a three or four-year-old get upset and two seconds later, they're screaming with laughter. You're like, wait a second, but why aren't you still upset from that? They don't hold on, right? Mm. We learn to hold on as we get older. Mm. Yeah, there's a great story. I'll probably ruin it, but there's a great story of um, one of my teachers shares, one of my um, mindfulness teachers shared about, you know, ducks, you know, when ducks like get into a fight and they'll come together in the pond or whatever, and they'll squawk and fight and, you know, feathers might be going and then they, they separate and they each go their separate way and they kind of do this thing where they shake their feathers you know, and literally they're just right back at peace and calm again. Hmm. So, you know, I'm, I don't know why that image came to me as you were talking, but, you know, there's this, this way that we can meet all of these moments in our lives that are difficult and meet them and then, you know, be able to kind of shake it through and come back to that centered place. Yes. I think this is so important because while some kids and adults have a propensity to be activated easier, right? So when it, when someone says like, well, I'm an anxious person, you know, to me, that just means that the activation is quicker, right? But no one is anything, frankly, or, no. and everyone is everything. And I know that sounds a little kooky, no. No. but I, you know, I don't say I am anxious, but I am experiencing anxiety, right? And I think that you've already said this, but reframing it in that way is so important because emotions are not meant to be a permanent state. They are temporary messengers. And for, depending on the age of the kids, sometimes I, you know, sometimes I say to kids like, yeah, these emotions are, these feelings are sending you text messages to your soul, basically, you know, you have to like read the message and let it go. Wow. So they're sending text messages to your soul. That's it. I love how you're using technology, you know, what they know. Um, That's very clever. 
Thank you. Yeah. You know, they engage with what they know. They're like, yeah. oh, I get that. And, you know, one of the things we really wanted to do was use humor because I felt like when I was going through my therapeutic experience, while it was really good and I was ready for it to be kind of a serious experience, it was very dry, you know, and I'm not afraid to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved my therapist, but it was like, everything was very serious because the thing you're going through is very serious, but I don't think we need to teach that way. I think teaching for these kids can be entertaining. I think it can be engaging. I think you can inject levity. I think it's important too, frankly, yeah. you know, and it helps them it helps them engage, obviously, right? I mean, I think that's the most obvious thing. Um, and then it just it helps make it fun um, for us to teach. And it helps parents support the work because it's not like you're shoving something down their throat that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And when, when they watch the videos and they're learning about, you know, empathy or kindness, say, um, are they encouraged to do like a practice? To, do, are you telling them what to do? Um, like what happens? Yeah. So they're watching it happen. And then we have, you know, follow-up reinforce. So we call them key learning points. Okay. And then we have exercises. So we have them both in a very... So I tried to go completely paperless when we first launched GoZen seven years ago. And then, you know, I was told by teachers using it that they still, they're like, we like to print stuff out still. So we have a lot of worksheets and lesson plans that go with it that include activities. And then we also have interactive exercises online. So they're kind of really short narratives. It's not a video game per se, but it's, there's more interaction in there. So you're like clicking around and you're reinforcing the ideas without it feeling like homework. Mm. But yeah, you have to use it. Yeah. I'm excited to use it. I can't believe I never have. How ridiculous of me. I think one of the things, how ridiculous of you. I think one of the things that's fun for kids in the program is we use a lot of different language that we've created. So for example, instead of saying cognitive distortions or thinking errors that we commonly fall into, we call them thought holes. And so kids, and then each of the errors has a different name. So jumping to conclusions, we call leapfrogging, for example. So kids start to use the vocabulary within the programs and mm. that becomes fun for them. They're like, hey, mom, you're leapfrogging, you know, or you're gigantifying. Um, And so that's just another way for them to remember the concept and to have fun with it and to make it part of the family. And then we have posters you can hang up. And yeah, we um, we have a habit of creating a lot of content. So we try not to make it overwhelming, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. Wow. And how it's been going, seven years is a long time to be developing something. Yeah. Uh, how has it evolved? How have you evolved? And how has the, the, pro, how has the product evolved? Um, when we first produced the product, we made Go Strengths actually first before Go Zen, which is our resilience program. It's 10 modules. It's 113 animations. It has lesson plans and worksheets. It's super comprehensive. And we wanted to bring it to schools to say, listen, do this 10-week program and everyone, the world will be better. (laughs) Like, thanks will be good. Um, And we couldn't sell it. We could not. They were like, this is awesome. We don't have any money. And this is amazing. We want it, but it's going to take us, you know, five years to get this approved. Mm. So uh, we kind of took a look at what we developed and we took a step back and said, well, you know, these are resilience skills at the end of the day. And resilience skills can really help 
with anxiety, with any anxiety that's going on and, and their prevention programs. At the end of the day, if you teach it to kids before they're anxious, it can prevent the anxiety. And so we made it for parents. You know, We stopped kind of marketing to schools for a while and we started selling to parents and they were like, wow, because there were some parents who couldn't afford therapy. There were some parents who didn't have therapists in their area and there were some parents who were going to therapy but wanted something in addition to it to teach at home. And so we got a lot of traction with parents and then parents brought us into schools. So to answer your question, the evolution was, you know, we tried to sell it to schools. We couldn't get in the door. We ended up, um, you know, working with lots of parents, I think maybe somewhere around a hundred thousand or more parents now. Um, and they brought us into schools. And so now the programs, we have six animated programs, um, you know, stress management program, a resilience program, a mindfulness program. So we have several different programs and we're working with about 2000 schools that have rolled it out either on a class level or some have rolled it out on a district wide level. So it just kind of depends on the school. And then we work with about 3000 private therapists that are using it in their office. Oh my gosh. So the evolution, I mean, so like in terms of, you know, but we're just scratching the surface. So I'm, I'm excited that it's being used and I, I take time to savor you know, what has been done and that there is use and that, you know, I know, I know that people are using it because it, you know, if there's ever a glitch in our website, all of a sudden we'll get a ton of emails like, Hey, what's going on? Um, but I also know we're just scratching the surface. We are just scratching the surface. You know, we want to make a dent in that crazy number that one in three kids will be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder by the age of 18. One in three. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And what, how do you, do you work with the schools directly as well? Like, are you consulting with them or is it really just like everything is included in the, like, there's nothing, they don't have questions. They know what to do with everything. Sometimes we're consulting with them. Um, but most often we are just teaching them how to roll it out, which is pretty simple. We wanted to make it simple. We didn't want it to be burdensome for them. You know, yeah. oh my goodness. We do also have something called the positive education certification program. So we're, tr which is a deep dive into these concepts. So we train teachers. It's basically like a positive psychology program um, plus a education training kind of rolled up into one. So it's a 16 week online course taught live online. Wow. And so we're doing a lot of professional training as well. Very cool. And where, where is it going? What do you imagine for the future? Hmm. Or wish for the future? I want to align with things that kids are engaged with. So I would like to have a TV show, for example, not because I'm like, oh, I want to have a TV show, <laughs> but because kids watch TV still, right? So whether that be Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, something streaming, or whether it be a regular TV show, I believe that you can make transformational entertainment. There has always been this issue with educational companies that are trying to do gaming, for example, right? So like an education company that's making a math video game, there's there's always going to be competing interests to a regular video game. I think that we're at the place and I know with storytelling that you can teach and entertain at the same time. So that's where we're kind of going. Wow. Well, you know, like modern day Sesame Street. Yeah. And Sesame Street does an amazing job of teaching skills of empathy and critical thinking and 
you know, but, um, but there's still a lot of competing interests with social media and other things online that are capturing the attention of our kids. So Mm. how do we use those things sort of to our advantage? You know, is it, is it possible? So those are kind of some of the things that we've been thinking about. Mm. Um, How are, are your children, are your children watching yet? (laughs) my kids are not watching yet Um, yet. they're four and five they've seen a little bit you know so if I if I I don't do a lot of work at home but if I happen to be working at home they'll look over my shoulder they know about Till and Whittle Till is the character that lives in the thinking brain in our programs and Whittle is the character that lives in the limbic system of the emotional brain so they know those characters and they have some we have we used to sell plush toys so they have some of the plush toys (sighs) Um, so they know a little bit but I do I, uh, not that they're guinea pigs, but you know, hey, I experiment at home a lot. So we're working on creating some programs for that age group. So my kids are four and five. So for a younger age group. And so I will, I'll do a lot of experimentation at home because one, I want to know obviously if it works and it engages the child, but two, I want to know, is it doable for the parent? Yeah. Is this, I mean, I'm a, a mom. Um, we live in a city in LA that we don't have a lot of family, my husband and I. And so, you know, my support network's not massive uh, and I'm an entrepreneur. So I understand the time constraints and, and I understand exhaustion, you know, Um, I understand what parents have to work with. I feel like that's very, that's coming from a very authentic place for me. So at home, I'm always trying different things. So we're creating some mindfulness and meditation programs for little kids. And so I've been practicing with my kids to see, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what they love, what they're getting, what they're like, oh my goodness, mom, stop. (laughs) Don't make us do this. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. Yeah. My, 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 my youngest son knows how to get to me. If I'm like, if I get frustrated, you know, he'll be like, you shouldn't be allowed to teach mindfulness. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. That's a big move. Yeah. They know I'm waiting for that. Out. I'm but waiting for that. If only people mindfulness now. <laughs> don't do mindfulness. Well, thank you for thank you for this beautiful offering and for the work that you're doing. This is so important and helpful. And I hope you just continue to reach more and more families and schools and um you know, and that just, this just grows and grows and that it's on Netflix at some point here. Thank you so much, Michelle. And thank you for the work you're doing. And thank you for just really being who you are, your beautiful soul. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. And everyone can find you at just gozen.com. Yeah. Gozen.com. That's right. Gozen.com. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Remy. Thank you, Michelle. We will say goodbye to all of you out there. May you meet this moment fully. May you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and others. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. Michelle's new book, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose, is now available at Amazon and at mindfulparentingbook.com. Get your copy today.